otherwise on SAFM. Good afternoon, Zansi, and welcome to Otherwise on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. My producers are Zanele Jambane, Joey Khodi, and Hazel Marcozeni. Phineas Ntoba is the technical producer for the day. You may reach us on 0891 SMS 34701, or Twitter at SAFM Radio. Now, um, it's Boxing Day, hey? I hope you had a great Christmas and you didn't have that uncle or anybody really bothering you, um, as we all have in our families. But why is Boxing Day Boxing Day? I, I asked somebody who, uh, as, as I walked into the building today, um, and says, no, man, people just used to box us, you know, after Christmas. And I thought... I was curious, and I asked around as well, and nobody exactly knew why Boxing Day. And I wanted the official name. Is it because I remember at some point we, in 1994, I think it was renamed Day of Goodwill, and then now we're back to Boxing Day. But apparently, Boxing Day is traditionally the day following Christmas Day when servants and tradesmen would receive gifts known as a Christmas box from their bosses or employers. Today, Boxing Day is the bank holiday that generally takes place on the 26th of December. It's observed in the United Kingdom, Canada, Hong Kong, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and some other Commonwealth nations. But what are the origins of the term Boxing Day? Nobody seems to know, but there there are several competing theories, none of which are definitive. The European tradition, which has long included giving money and other gifts to those who were needy and in service positions, has been dated to the Middle Ages, but the exact origin is, is, is unknown. It's believed to be in reference to the alms box placed in places of worship in order to collect donations to the poor. In ancient pre-Christian Rome, um, Saturnalia was a Roman celebration during which slave owners would switch roles with their slaves. Very interesting. Gift giving was a part of Saturnalia and benevolence to slaves was a practice which may have influenced the late December tradition of boxing and presenting of gifts to people of lesser status. Also, it may come from a custom in the late Roman early Christian era wherein metal boxes placed outside churches were used to collect special offerings tied to the Feast of St. Stephen, which in the Western Church falls on the same day as Boxing Day. Now, in Britain, it was a custom for tradesmen to collect Christmas boxes of money or presents on the first weekday after Christmas as thanks for good service throughout the year. This is mentioned in Samuel Pepys' diary entry for 19th of December, 1663. And this custom is linked to an older English tradition, since they would have to wait on their masters on Christmas Day. The servants of the wealthy were allowed the next day to visit their families. The employers would give each servant a box to take home, containing gifts and bonuses, and sometimes leftover food. So, I was curious, and I thought I'd share that. So, as we celebrate Boxing Day, it's not to physically give a fist or, or to somebody. It's actually um, very different. But it is Boxing Day in South Africa, and welcome to it. Now, um, we'll take uh, 
a song. I think we should have more songs. But coming back, I'll be talking to Lorraine Stain, who's the developer of the I'm Bored app. Yeah, so after that. Can't see 
Beautiful, beautiful song that. Now, welcome back to Otherwise, and uh, we're talking to the developer of the Onboard app, Lorraine Stain. Lorraine, hello and welcome. Hello, Shadow. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Did you have a good Christmas? Oh, I had a lovely Christmas. Thank you very much. I hope you did too. No, I did. I was where I'm sitting now, so it was, and I, I love being <laughs> here. I love being here. But do you have young children yourself? I have a, a son, and mm-hmm. he's uh, just turned 11. Okay. And yes, we were always looking for things to do. Well, I, I was just wondering how it came about that you developed this app. So we, we've developed something which is basically a what's on service and we focus on families and uh, all ages of children. So, you know, things for toddlers to teens. But, um, it's a little bit bigger than just what I wanted for my, myself. It, it started there that we were always looking out nice places and things to do in Cape Town because, I mean, we do have such wonderful things to do. But the Iron Board idea is, is a little bit bigger, that we want to cover all the cities. We'd love to roll out to Durban soon. And we already cover uh, Johannesburg and Cape Town. And we've got lots and lots of Facebook fans, I think about 21,000, who now follow our two pages for Joburg and Cape Town. And they get updates every single day of all the events that we pick up and all the good things that you can actually do as a family. And did your, did your son help at all in, in, in putting this app together? What we did uh, over the last couple of years is my son and I used to go once a week and visit some place that we thought was interesting for a kid. So mm-hmm. we're based in Cape Town and we used to go to Rotunga or we'd go to a beach or mm. we'd go on a hiking trail. And we slowly collected our own photographs and our own content and good material on what places are really, really suitable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you, you put them together on Facebook. Was that where it all started? We were already developing an app for Android phones, you know, for for the Samsungs and the tablets. Mm -hmm. And we started with the Facebook pages because it's a really easy way to get the events out there. But the event pages that we do on Facebook don't even have all the beautiful things that's in our app. Because you can you can work with the app on your phone and you can sort of go, what's near me? And then it will show you on a little map that maybe there's a... Nice restaurant, kitty-friendly place, or a walk, or a, an event, uh, right on your phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, no, I, I, I want this. Although I, I could have <laughs> used it 20 years ago, because that's really when I, I needed to get out there with my my daughter. But um, tell us how people can can access it. So if they are an Android user, and I'm very sorry for the iPhone and the, the BlackBerry people, we're working on something for them. But if Aww. you already have an Android, you can go to the Play Store, go to the Entertainment category, and if you look in top new free apps, you'll find I'm Bored. Or you can search for it, I'm Bored, mm-hmm. and then just download it. It's a completely free app. We and it's got all these uh, this content. It's got places. It's got events. And we're even trying to build up a little services directory so that parents be able to look for uh, tennis teachers and coaches and things like that as well. Mm. Now, if I have a place that I want to be listed on your app, what do I have to do? Well, the, the best place to start would be our imboard.co.za website, mm-hmm. which has got all the information for the marketers. 
So that would tell you how to list. But we, we're doing the listings are free. The usage is free for everybody. And we'll look very slowly at commercial acting because our first focus right now is to get really great content out there. Mm-hmm. So what will I find exactly in, 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 on, on, on the app? Is it easy to navigate? Well, we think so. <laughs> I'd love to hear what others think. Uh, we've had some really positive reviews from people who've used it. it it's a very simple uh, browsable list of uh, places that come up and events with pictures and a little summary, you know, and then you can press on that and go into it and get a whole lot more detail, contact details, links to websites, or you can use the menu and use the map search function, or you could filter and say, look, I'm only interested in, I'd love to find museums in my city, mm-hmm. and then it will come up with museums. So it, it's really simple, but an awful lot of good content in there. And the, all the places that we go to, is it for the whole family, or is it is it uh, for different, I mean, I'm thinking of age groups, and I'm thinking of the whole family going out to find these interesting places. Well, that's what we were hoping. We were hoping that it would really help families to do quality things together. Mm-hmm. We haven't segregated it into this is suitable for toddlers and that for teens because so many families have a range of age groups. So we're just saying this is generally good, good family and child entertainment and good places. Now, Lorraine... Um how I'm just I'm, I'm I'm just thinking when are you going to do the 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 the, the iPhone and 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 Blackberry? It's a big question for us. We're going to but look you know, in the new year at you know, um, the, next pop- of, the next round of development. We're working really hard to um, create a very professional, uh, world class uh, application on your phones from South Africa. Uh, I can't give you a date, but I'm really really hoping it's the first half of next year. Okay, so at least by next holidays, next school holidays, we should we should have access to it because you know those phones are very popular, and They're a lot of people popular. use them. I, I would have started with them first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Android is very very big, and I mean we want to uh, be available to a very broad sector of the the population. Mm. So Android's Android's the market leader already. Oh, okay. You should know. You should know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not okay with all of that stuff. Well, Lorraine, thank you. Picky in me. Yeah, no. Thank you so much. And it, what? So www.imboard.co.za. Yes. Or look for us on the Facebook pages. I'm bored. Uh, Cape Town Kids, or I'm bored. Joburg Kids. I'm bored. Cape Town Kids and Joburg Kids. Yeah. Fantastic. And well, we love to see everybody on and, and, you know, please tell your friends. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Everyone's listening right now, so I don't have to tell anyone. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much Lorraine. Evan. Enjoy today and the rest of your holiday. You too. Fantastic. So I'm bored Cape Town kids. I'm bored Joburg kids. And, um, yeah, find find something to do with the kids and don't let them just sit there doing absolutely nothing we're going to take a little break and uh, come back with an interview that I did with Tossi Fantonde the South African Trade Investment and Tourism Promotion Guide in partnership with SASM will be hosting monthly radio broadcasts to promote trade and investment opportunities 
to local business and foreign investors. We invite business from all sectors to join us at the President Hotel in Bloemfontein to the launch of the Free State Province Symposium on the 27th of January 2014. To participate for free, contact Voice Kajaneni at 082-923-4402 or email at rsvp at bbmmedia.co.za Also visit southafricanguide.co.za Hi, I am Steve Kikana. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's South News, Africa's and, News information and Information League. Otherwise, on SAFM. Earlier I spoke to Tosi Fantonde, the author of the book Nobonke, She of All People. I began by asking her if she is comfortable with me calling her Tosi or whether Nobonke is very important. Both are good. Tell us how you got Nobonke. Well, Nabonke came around when um, I met uh, Sandy, and uh, that was the meeting in Namibia where most of this book took place. Um, and because he was the last of his siblings to get uh, married, uh, I was the one who brought everybody together, and that is what the family called me. And um, it was it was quite a heavy name to take on, you know. I mean, <laughs> to bring everybody together. But it is interesting. Most people had um, similar kind of definitions of the name. And um, when I was looking for the meaning of that name, when I uh, finally called my book Nobonke, mm-hmm. um, the, the the meaning of that name, uh, I finally thought, well, that is what it is. She of all people, the one who brings everybody together and um, it seems like it hasn't um, offended anybody uh, from the Isikosa tribes. <laughs> so that is how I got my name and both those names are applicable to me. I'm surprised though that you didn't carry the surname as well. Sajaki. Mm. You know, we have a, a very complex, a highly um, unique relationship. We keep our identities very strongly and um, I kept my surname and um, uh, our son Liolo took his father's surname mm-hmm. and um, we still like that. And you live together? We are both living in Cape Town. We are uh, good friends. We don't live together. Well, I, I thought that that might be the arrangement, but, but you know, and, and one that you'll probably talk to us about. But you, you kind of opened up and told all about your life. I mean, every little detail. You write like a dancer, if I may say that, because I, I hear and see a lot of body movement, which you talk about as well in your book, which I've never experienced this type of writing where also there seems to be multiple voices you know one is giving context and one is telling the story in the present and one is possibly um, talking about the future what do you call that type of writing I, I call it dance <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just uh, love inventing new genres mm-hmm. uh, my dance is about that I don't really follow any existing forms or cultures or traditions what happened is that the book really is an extraction from 20 years of diary journal writing when I started to write it I I just had all these voices together and I thought no one can't actually do that mm. you know so when 
when I started to flesh them out, um, I realized that, that the main transformative period for this woman, and when I talk about women, it's me, mm-hmm. um, uh, was during the seven months, the first seven months of her pregnancy. Mm. During that time, she was also with um, a person from the MK, uh, armed wing of the ANC, and a Robben Island ex-political prisoner, and uh, she was an Afrikaner, and there was a lot to deal with. Mm. Um, and at the same time she was pregnant and at the same time she was willing to go from Namibia back to South Africa so there's an enormous amount of transformative diversity taking place Um, so I knew that I had to make her experience uh, let's just say a kind of psycho-political spiritual experience one voice And then the future voice was definitely the child's voice Mm -hmm. that she was carrying at that time. And two of those voices, uh, two of the three voices, are talking to each other. So Mm. she has a conversation with her child, and the child speaks back to her. But, of course, uh, during 1993, um, you know, the minds of of all South Africans were in flux. Mm. Uh, And the child experiences also that the mother is in flux Mm. and and incredible strain and uh, complex. But the child comes with a great, straightforward and fierce and and sage-like voice. It's, it's speaks straight into the future of uh, South Africa and Africa. So those are those two voices. And then I thought, I just so much wanted to have uh, a voice from the past as well, Mm -hmm. which is the voice of the apartheid child. Mm -hmm. And um, those are coming in letters, letters to leave a puppy, leave a mommy. Leave a mommy. Yeah. But you had some tender moments with your mother, which also took me back. I mean, I remember folding sheets with my mother, you know, from the washing line and making sure that each corner meets the other corner. I mean, a lot of us, and yet we lived in two different sides of of apartheid at the time. And yet um, um, it's interesting to find out that your childhood was very similar to mine. I wanted the book to be that for the readers, that they could find themselves in the book, doesn't matter from which background you would be coming. So um, the, uh, I find that, that some of my black friends find this book equally accessible than white friends. So, well, I, I can imagine. You, you also say that you know, no matter who is to blame, you take personal responsibility for the monolith of apartheid. I don't think that most people would want to take that responsibility. Well, that, that is the voice of the spirit child on a particular page mm. that um, that speaks to the mother in that way. And uh, because at that time, you can imagine that she is new in this relationship with with Sandy and um, she she has to deal with enormous amount of guilt and fear and what will, what's going to happen you know at that time we didn't know what which, which direction South Africa would have gone to mm. so um, I think 
I think that uh, white people are also used to guilt. You know, we we carry guilt well, (laughs) (laughs) and um, it's uh, it's in our nature to feel bad in South Africa. And there's a particular place also in the book where the spirit child uses that as a strength upon which we have actually built a constitution, where we could not take anything for granted and not leave anything out. So the child says, "This is the reason why we have this." Uh, a law that that we had to to draw up, and it is built on on uh, on a psychic condition of guilt mm-hmm. and possibly also fear. Those are the two main emotions that that white people were carrying and still do to to life. Still do. Yes. Sandy's voice is very is never heard much. You talk about him about his mysterious dignity. You almost tell us what you think he's thinking or you you think he's feeling, but you also understand that he doesn't respond in the way that you want. I mean, the the word I love you, there was a a thing. Tell us about it. First of all, you have to understand that um, a a person who had just come from exile, um, being in armed struggle, a person who had just spent 15 years in Robben Island, um, uh, I would say is a clear warrior type. Mm -hmm. And so the language is very specific and the, the silences are loaded. So you have to understand the archetype mm-hmm. of the warrior, um, and I understand that archetype very well. But at you understood time, it from day one. Certainly, day one when I met this man. Mm. Mm. But then I was within the archetype of the mother. So there wasn't any possibility of these two archetypes finding a voice under those circumstances as yet. It was only once our son Leola was born that these two archetypes could sort of uh, chaff against each other and, you know, uh, the edges could sort of become a little bit more brittle. But it was particularly written in that way because um, I knew also that the discourse for blackness is very, very strong in our country. And I wanted to have the discourse for whiteness to be very specific Mm. uh, and specific to my life. And that is why it is very complex. There's not just one specific direction. Um, It's loaded with an enormous amount of uh, wiring that goes on. And at the same time, there's my body. Uh, and that I danced much of those complexities. Thank goodness I had the dance because I don't think that I could have very easily sustained the tension and the intensity of that relationship had I not been able to dance. What do you think he should have read into your first dance? Because you weren't quite sure uh, how he would translate it and if he'd understand it, when you, the, the way your body moved and what were you trying to do? Because he didn't know you were a dancer. He knew I was a dancer, but you must say that uh, that he didn't know that dance existed in this form. I mean, he just came he just came out of Robin Island. How, mm-hmm. how does he know anything about what a white person really was about? And more so, an Afrikaner. He's got his own stereotypes uh, types about uh, South, uh, Afrikaners, and then one the dancers. You know, <laughs> what do you do with that? 
that's now I'd like to see combo. now I'd like to see you dance because I must see this dance that right. that yeah. you know was was almost so foreign to him or or yeah. that you thought he wouldn't quite get because you pulled him into the space where yeah. you just broke into dance yes and you were saying something to him were you without talking there was very little that we could uh, talk about. We were together. We knew we were going to be together, but there wasn't any kind of discourse possible between us. And at that time, which you could find in my book um, quite strongly, is that I was aware that he was his head was still in another world, mm. in the world of the struggle, in the world of exile, in the world of the new South Africa, which they didn't know uh, where it was going to end up. You know, blackness is in itself also highly complex. Of course, of course. And at that time, I was not going to even make a dent into that whole body of knowledge. What kept you going? What kept you not all chipping at that thing, you know? Because nothing much was said, and yet you knew silently that both of you were meant for each other. You carried this baby. I need that thing that kept you knowing for sure that this was meant to happen and you you were almost the chosen ones to walk this path together. Well, I think that I have a very strong uh, sense of loyalty to, uh, as a South African, towards South Africa. And you will see that the parts that at that time I could not uh, admit to at that time, because I was in, in Namibia for five years, um, I allowed the child, the spirit child, to speak that uh, voice. But my sense of being a South African is so strong. Um, I feel I'm archetypally South African, if mm. that helps. Mm. Um, but I also know that South Africa is so extremely vital for Africa to survive, if mm. I could just be as, uh, as forward to be able to say that. We, we, we keep a whole continent together. I want to just say that. And I personally took responsibility for that. <laughs> Please take responsibility for that because I'm not too sure a lot of people would, would think that, you know, yeah. after, after, after all the things that are happening in the country, yeah. um, xenophobia and all of that, yes. you know. Um, yes, yes. I, but that's, that's your, that's your, your thoughts. Yeah. For me, I said it was like a dance. Can you read us uh, an excerpt of, of or something that you think would demonstrate the, what I'm going on about. Let me just read uh, one of the little uh, letters that I wrote to my mother at that time. The lovely thing about being able to write South African is that one knows that there is irony in almost every sentence. Mm. So there was my mother, who was a, a woman, a neat, uh, upright woman, and uh, she's an instrumental mother. She takes care of uh, how, how I'm fed and how I'm sheltered and all of that. But politically, I cannot move into that er territory at all. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there was Betty. Who's who, your second mother, yes. Oh, man, <laughs> Betty. Yeah, I mean, we, we, I don't have to explain who did. We all know Betty, okay? <laughs> And um, Betty and my mother strangely speaks uh, Zulu to each other because my mother grew up speaking Zulu fluently. Mm -hmm. She grew up in Natal. And um, so when she and Betty is in the kitchen together, they speak uh, Zulu to each other. Mm -hmm. And it excludes me. 
At the same time, I have a great sense and a growing sense that if I'm not being taught this language, I'm not going to survive. So Betty and my mother hold something that actually threatens my survival. And that's not passed on to you because your mother didn't think you needed it. Didn't yes. understand that yes. you may need it, and the whole book is full of full of ironies like that, and that is why, um, you know, I, I sometimes have to go into something very quirky uh, about those letters to my mother and my father. But let me let me just read you a little something that's completely, I'm sure everybody of that generation would be able to um, relate to. Liver, mummy. You were very careful when you walked so that your stockings did not get hooked on anything. (laughs) If they did, you would have the smallest run along your leg, always running upwards, and you would discard them, or one of them, with swift justice. It pained me to see how easily you discarded a stocking with millions of stitches because of only one tiny run. But even if I could not wait for your stockings to run... Uh, but but even then, I could not wait for your stockings to run, because by then I could write. You opened a packet of new stockings and carefully pulled the card out of the plastic bag with the two stockings folded around it. You rolled them off the card, carefully crumpled one stocking between your fingers, point, put your pointed toe into the reinforced tip, and then made your leg come alive under that sheen. The buttons and clasps from your step-in fastened the stocking in your capable hands. Your hands and fingers could do intelligent and deft actions in unseen places. Only then did you hand me a new card to write on. It was white and smooth with rounded corners, onto which I immediately wrote whatever I wished. I lay on my belly on your bedroom floor and wrote and wrote and wrote. When the card was full of writing, I put it in my little bedside drawer with the other cards as part of my diary. There they lay, complete. All I had to do was to wait for your next stocking to run. But you were very careful. And as much as I wanted your stockings to last, so much more did I need a card to write on. Dossi. I see your parents. I really see your parents. You, you, you paint a wonderful picture. You're talking about them not sharing you speak, you know, the Zulu language with you, Bessie and your mum. Mm. Does your son speak an African language now? Because I think there was a bit of a, in the book, mm. I think there was a reference to whether a, a, a language which... Which language does he speak, or does he pick up? I mean, I made sure from, uh, even at the time when I was pregnant, that that he was going to be able to be uh, versatile in any language in the southern African region, you know, if not not elsewhere too. But um, I felt very strongly about um, him being able to speak Afrikaans fluently. Mm -hmm. And um, and then the moment he was born, the first words in Isikosa came from Sunday, and he had all his clicks in place before his teeth came out. Oh, my God. And that was the most beautiful thing. So it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> it is possible. So, and then, so we kept these two languages clear, pure, and pristine in the household. 
When I turned to Liolo, I spoke Afrikaans. Sandy spoke English. Uh, is it concert to him? Mm-hmm. And in Sandy and I uh, versed in, in, in English. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, my son is multilingual. He's actually very. He's a Chinese speaker. He's fluent in Mandarin. The nuances of a child who has, has been brought up in a multilingual place is pristine. And I feel. The most important thing about raising children multilingually is that you have not only got a language to speak, you've got to have the spirit of that language mm-hmm. in your being. Mm-hmm. And you mustn't start uh, compromising on that. And that is why, you know, Sandy and he speaks absolutely fluent, and I speak uh, fluent Afrikaans with him. Do you speak Afrikaans? No. There's a lot of parenting one can learn from the book. There are lots of little gems of wisdom and a whole lot of other things. Who in your eyes, should be reading this book? Definitely, I think every South African should read my book. (laughs) Secondly, I think uh, white South Africans as much as black South Africans. And that's why I wrote it in English, to be able to be read by black South Africans. Mm. Thirdly, I think it's a great book on parenting in South Africa, in a multicultural place where... When races meet, you need to go deep. Mm. You don't go fluck, you know. You just have to, you have to realize that when you are in a multicultural relationship, you've got to go deep in that. You work harder. I think it's a strong book on mothering. It's a very strong book on understanding the psychology of politics in our country. It's a book where we do not, for a moment, need to forget about the spirituality of a South African child. Mm. Uh, The child comes in not only in a very complex situation, but you need to know that there's a spirit that carries, carries something of a destiny for that child being born in this country. That was my interview earlier with Tossi Fantonda. You must get the book. Uh, it's called Nobonke, She of All People, and it's by Tosi Fantonda. When we come back, shop shop.
Sunrise on SAFM.